We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today's Monday, September the 21st, 2020. On today's show, it is officially game week. Folks, we finally made it. Game week is here as South Carolina takes on the Tennessee Volunteers to kick off the 2020 football season this Saturday at Williams-Brice Stadium. I will give you guys my overall thoughts heading into game week. Also, we're talking quarterback position. As last week, right after the show was dropped, Colin Hill officially named QB1 for the South Carolina Gamecocks heading into the opening game against Tennessee. I'll give my thoughts on the decision why I think it is a good decision, how I still think Ryan Holinsky factors in, and just overall talk about that quarterback position and talk about the decision that Mike Bobo and Will Muschamp came to. Also, Mike Bobo speaking on his offense, the way it may look on last Thursday's Colin show. I'll talk about that as well. A lot to get into here on a Monday show. Also, news and notes, your listener questions, and we have a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks offensive lineman Mike Matulis joins the show. And guys, a phenomenal conversation, a phenomenal interview. Mike is a fantastic dude. And honestly, we had one of the best conversations I've ever had on these airways. So you guys sit back, relax, enjoy. It's a lot of fun. And it's all brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Guys, we made it. We're here. We finally got to game week. Obviously, NFL's in full swing. All the other conferences are in full swing. But SEC, South Carolina, gets going this week. Football season is officially here. And at MyBookie, that can only mean one thing. It's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. At my bookie, winning season's all about your chance to win big. Guys, you can bet anything. Bet NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, college football, NFL. Guys, anything you want to bet on, you can literally go there and bet on it. They have everything. You can bet on politics if you want. I don't care what you want to bet on, but literally anything you want to bet, you can do it. The craziest sports time of your lifetime is here. It's simple, guys. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. It's that easy. Invest in your intuition. Guys, you guys are smart. You know you're going to be picking these games every single Saturday. You know you're picking them every single Sunday right now. Hey, like I said, NBA playoffs, MLB, you're picking these games with your buddies right now. You know what's going to happen. Invest in your intuition, select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Go to MyBookie.ag. That's MyBookie.ag and use the promo code Gamecocks. It's very simple. MyBookie.ag, promo code Gamecocks, and double your first deposit. Guys, new players get up to $1,000 in free play. So, guys, let me explain what that means. You go to MyBookie.ag, use the promo code Gamecocks. You put in $1,000. They are going to match that first deposit and give you 
$1,000 to play with. You put in $500, they will give you $500. You put in $250, they will give you $250. But, guys, they're literally giving you free money to play with. You cannot lose in this situation. It's designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Again, guys, that's mybookie.ag, promo code Gamecocks, mybookie.ag, promo code Gamecocks. Your winning season begins today only at mybookie. Let's get it. Goes the Spurs Up show as always. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone who is tuned in and hearing me over the airwaves right now, wherever you may be, whatever you may be doing, let me be the first to officially, officially, officially welcome you to game week. Welcome. We made it. We made it. We are here. Game week is here. I am fired up. Words cannot describe how excited, how thrilled I am to be talking to you here on a Monday during a game week. It is Tennessee week. It is game week for South Carolina. It is game week for the SEC. No matter who you're a fan of, SEC football is back. South Carolina football is back. And we are here in a game week. And, and I, I know you guys can feel it. We had a little bit of a cool, a cool front move in over the weekend, which was phenomenal, by the way. Was also, I've worn a long sleeve shirt like three days in a row. And I'm like, I don't even know who I am anymore. Honestly, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I wore a hoodie Saturday night. I'm like, what is going on right now? But we had a little bit of a cool front move in. We're in game week. It feels like football now. It feels like football. And you're taking on the Tennessee Volunteers, guys. I'm fired up. I'm, I'm fired up. I'm thrilled to be talking to you again here on a Monday. I'm grateful. I'm ecstatic because, hey, we didn't know if this time would come. We did not know if this day would come, but you can feel it in the air. You can feel the energy, the intensity. Everything's a little bit more serious now, man. Every, every, the, the, the awareness, the senses are all heightened now. We're, 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 all, we're all the intensity. It's there. It is there. And you're going to hear that in the show. The daily pods are back, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I just want to say thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend, by the way. Everybody had a great weekend. Our last weekend of stress-free football, if you did watch football like I did, uh, some great NFL games as well. I feel so bad for my best friend. I watched the Falcons with him, and he's a diehard Falcons fan. And when I say diehard, I'm talking like season ticket holder, invests a lot of money in the Falcons, and they blow the lead. They blew against the Dallas Cowboys. Hey, I feel for you guys out there that I know are listening that are Falcons fans, whatever. Either way, thank you so much for tuning in here on a Monday. I hope you guys had a fantastic weekend, and I'm fired up because it is. It is finally. It's finally here. Game week is here. Before we get into everything really quickly, a couple of housekeeping items as we always do, guys. Thank you so much for those of you who have already done so. But if you haven't, take five seconds out of your day, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it may be, to rate and subscribe. Go leave five stars, leave your thoughts, your feedback, whatever. Tons of you guys have been leaving reviews. I truly do appreciate it. Again, it would mean a lot. 
Take five seconds out of your day. Go click the five stars. Again, if there are things you like, you don't like, you want to see more of, less of, that's a great place to do it because I do go through and I read the reviews. And again, I appreciate the feedback and the responses, whether they're positive or negative, whatever they may be. The, the goal is to give the fans and the consumers what they want in regards to a product. So I appreciate all the feedback and thank you guys so much for taking the time to do so. Also, if you're not subscribed, I have been harping on this for weeks, maybe months, but definitely weeks. Hey guys, the daily podcasts are back. Let's go. Let's go. That fi that fires me up. That gets me turned up. That gets me lit, as the kids are saying nowadays. Daily podcasts are back. You are not going to want to miss these. It's going to be a lot of content. It's going to be a lot of information to keep up with. Best way to stay in tune and stay updated, hit that subscribe button. You'll get the daily notifications when the podcast drop. We're going Monday through Friday podcasts every single day. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you go leave a review, go leave five stars, and appreciate you guys who've already done so. Also, like I just mentioned, the daily podcasts are back. If you forgot how this thing runs, I'm going to give you the rundown really quickly. So we didn't start doing these until about midway last season when I sort of took a look and I, I, I signed on with a different podcast platform. They sort of suggested the idea, if you will, and I'm like, you know what? This is a smart thing. So it's going to return. We're doing the daily podcast. I, I love it. I enjoy it. I love the daily routine of it. And I love giving you guys that content. So here's how it's going to go for those that don't know. Monday, Thursday shows are going to continue to be the quote unquote big shows, if you will. Those will be the shows that contain the interviews. Okay. Monday and Thursday. And once, you know, we get into the season, obviously like Thursday of this week is going to be the Tennessee game preview. Monday will be the Tennessee game recap. The next Thursday will be the Florida game preview. The next Monday will be the recap, so on and so forth. You guys get how it goes. Now, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, again, for those of you who may have not been listening last season, because, hey, there are a lot of new followers and a lot of new supporters, and for that, I am grateful for sure. But for those of you who may have not remembered or just don't remember how it went last season, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday will be sort of shorter shows, if you will, more like 15, 20, 25 minutes or so, okay? Quick hitter type shows, but still packed with content. Tuesdays, I'm very happy to announce former Gamecocks tight end and former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath, who was on me last year. He is going to be joining me once again, played during the Steve Spurrier era. Alex, I loved the insight he provided last year as far as someone who still follows Gamecock football very, very closely. He provides that insight of a guy who was in the locker room, um, has a great opinion, someone I'm really, really good friends with. He is going to be joining me every single Tuesday to give his feedback, his take on everything, and we're going to sound and just hash it out and talk out what happened over the weekend. So that first show is going to be tomorrow. Alex McGrath, I'm going to have him on to talk about the upcoming season, game week, the Tennessee game, all that good stuff. Wednesdays are going to be, we're going to talk gambling again, and I can't wait, and I'm going to do so much of a better job because, listen, I'm on that graphics grind, if you haven't noticed. I'm on that graphics grind, which you guys I'm sure have seen on Instagram, but I've gotten on this graphics grind. So we're going to put together, I'm going to put together gambling graphics, stats, tidbits, whatever, but best bet for South Carolina's game and SEC gambling picks will be back on Wednesday, plus some other tidbits. Normally I'm talking about Will Muschamp's Tuesday presser or something that may have happened, but either way, the, the bulk of the show on Wednesdays is going to be the gambling stuff, and I'm very excited because I am one that I enjoy – I just like that stuff. I like it. It makes it fun. It gives us all different reasons to watch the games. And, again, 
We have my bookies as sponsors. So, hey, if you're gambling and you want to take my picks, I think we were at like a 55% clip last year, which, listen, did I have my best year? No, but not bad, okay? You would have made money gambling with my picks, all right? I just want to say that. So, we're going to do that again. We're going to do a big-time gambling stuff on Wednesday. And then, like I said, any other small tidbits, whether it be Must Chance Press or anything else that comes up during the week. Again, Thursday, the big show. And then Friday, every single Friday, I'm going to give my official prediction for the game the following day. So, obviously, this week it will be Tennessee. Now, again, this is subject to change the way that, you know, especially the Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday shows. Those are subject to be adjusted and changed as we get into basketball season and stuff like that. But I just want to give you guys sort of a feel of how this week and the next couple of weeks and the next couple of months are going to look. The daily shows are, should, are going to be back for the foreseeable future. I mean, until the end of baseball season, really. Um, because we're just going to have content overload until that point. So just want to kind of give you guys an idea, let you know. Again, you're probably like, Chris, shut the hell up. Let's get into the show because we already know what's going on. But either way, we're going to give you an idea. Also, running through the rest of this really quickly. I'm bringing back the TSUS simulation. <laughs> I'm bringing back the season simulation on NCAA Football 14 with Colin Hill as the starting quarterback. The first time we did it was with Ryan Holinsky. Figured why not. Ran a poll. You guys want to do it. We're going to do it. Stay tuned for when that's going to happen because Monday today for me is slammed. Um, I don't know when I'll be able to do it today, but I'm going to try to knock that out before Saturday. We are going to knock that out and get that season simulation done and in there. Also, I've already said this a couple of times last week, but officially, officially, the Daily Crow starting today, 12 to 1, Monday through Friday, 843-790-3377. That's going to be the call-in number for you guys. The Daily Crow is officially getting off the ground. It's going to be an hour-long live stream that you can see via Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and it's really just going to be an hour-long Q&A session, guys. The entire point is for you guys, if you want to call in, if you want to comment, you want to leave your thoughts, your feedback, whatever it is you want to talk about, it is going to be for you for the fans, for the people, for the consumers, whatever you want to call it, 12 to 1 Q&A, like I said, on Twitter, Periscope Video through Twitter, on YouTube, and on Facebook Live is where you can find it, 12 to 1, Monday through Friday. That is really getting going. Again, we've been doing it last week, whatever, but this is really, to me, the kickoff of it. We're in game week now. Things are, like I said, the intensity is turned up to another level. So we're knocking out the Daily Crow now starting this week, 12 to 1. I'm very excited to do that throughout the entire season. Um, also last two things really quickly. Do not forget if you are in the Columbia area or if you're, if you're not, you want to come in town, the meet and greet slash hangout at overtime bar and grill tonight, overtime bar and grill down the road from the stadium, our brand new sponsor. Obviously we're really going to be the home of the Spurs up show this fall, right down the road, from Williamsburg stadium. Everything gets going at six o'clock. Going to be a fun night. $4 sangria is three fifty long Island iced teas. Somebody asked me, by the way, you do not have to be 21 to get in. So if you are a college student and you still want to come, you can get in. Now, granted, they're not going to let you drink, but it is an 18 and up place until 10 o'clock. So you can get in. It's going to run 6 o'clock until I'm sure I'll be there all night. But letting you guys know, would love to see you come out, hang out. We're going to be watching football, playing some pool, just kicking it, having a good time, man. Sort of like an unofficial kickoff event <clears throat> to get things rolling during game week. So again, Overtime Bar and Grill tonight down the road from the stadium. You guys have seen the graphic on social media. I've shared like 100 times. Meet and greet, hang out tonight. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. 6 o'clock at Overtime Bar and Grill. Be sure to come out. And with that being said as well, I am working right now on a watch party for the Tennessee game. I'm working on a watch party. I will not be going to Williams-Brice Stadium. But I'm either going to do a watch party at one of two places. It's either going to be at Overtime Bar and Grill or another place in the Vista. I have to iron out the details and see what we can do. 
But there will be a watch party come hell or high water. I promise you guys that. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And the second we get that figured out, you're going to see a graphic on social media. You're going to hear me talking about it, telling you guys about it. Again, there is a ton going on this week. The last time I spent this long on housekeeping items and just little small tidbits, I don't know how long it's been, but there is a lot of shit going on as we head into this week. Let's get into the show. Let's get in the show. And like I said, let me be the first to welcome you all to game week. Um, you know, just the overall thoughts as we head into Tennessee week. And again, it's I'm going to break down Tennessee ad nauseum as we get later in the week, especially on the Thursday show is really when I'm going to dive into the Vols and dive into that game itself. But let me just say, for us to be sitting here on a Monday talking about a South Carolina football game this weekend, is it going to be perfect? No. Are there going to be 80,000 in williams Bryce screaming their heads off? Unfortunately, no. But we are getting Gamecock football this weekend. And I cannot stress how grateful, how excited, just, yeah. I mean, the words can't describe how happy I am that we have this week. The big news, obviously, that we need to talk about, and I talked about this a little bit on Friday because, listen, I, I was not planning. I wasn't necessarily planning doing the Daily Crow Friday. But I wanted to go live because the major, major news that dropped on Thursday, I'm going to speak about it on here as well, And I knew this was going to happen. I knew I was going to drop the podcast Thursday and this announcement was going to come out. But the huge news that came out on Thursday around lunchtime or so, around 1 o'clock maybe, what I had predicted all offseason and what I had said all offseason came to fruition. Colin Hill, the Colorado State transfer, officially named QB1 for South Carolina heading into this Tennessee game. Again, I've talked about it for weeks, and I, you know, I told you guys gun to head. If I had to pick a quarterback, if I had to put my money on it, not, not my preference, okay, not my preference, but if I had to bet money on it, the way the coaches were talking, the, from what we had heard, what we had seen, that I was going to say, hey, Colin Hill's going to be your guy. Colin Hill is, has won this job at this point. And everything that I had heard especially – From the scrimmages and stuff like that, it certainly sounded like Colin Hill had won this job. A couple of different comments from Mike Bobo and Will Muschamp. Will Muschamp saying, quote, both guys had outstanding training camps. We can win with both guys, bottom line. Obviously, there's an advantage for Colin playing with Coach Bobo before and schematically some things that helped him. Also, Mike Bobo talking about Colin Hill and why they named him the starting quarterback. Quote, You want a guy when he steps in that huddle that those 10 guys on the field, those 70-plus on the sideline, believe that he's the guy. When he gets under center, you got a chance to move the ball. Colin was the most consistent throughout camp, throughout the three scrimmages. Right now, making the decision, we thought Colin was ahead of Ryan. Now, none of what they said surprises me. None of what they said really surprised me. First things first, I just want to say this, and I'm going to reiterate it, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I want to echo what I said before. I had no preference when it came to who won this job. Because obviously, and like I expected, the the reaction on social media was very interesting. And, And I do understand it because, listen, especially with Ryan's story, with his family history, with stuff like that, there are a lot of people who still are, but that were pulling for Ryan Holinsky to win this job and to be our starting quarterback for the next three to four years. And I think especially 
fan bases, not just at the college level, but fan bases want to be able to latch on to the guy. They want to be able to latch on to he's our guy. This is our quarterback. You know, it's the most important position in football, the quarterback position. He is the CEO of your franchise. He is the leader of your football team. He is the face of your program. No questions asked. And I think fans definitely want to latch on to that guy. So for Colin Hill to come out of nowhere, to come from Colorado State, and to win the job, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure it was a tough pill to swallow for some fans. Again, especially with Ryan Holinsky's backstory and everything he battled and him playing injured last year. And I totally, totally get that. But, I, I, you know, overall, my thoughts on it, again, I just want you to play the guy that can win. But I understand why they went with Colin Hill. You know, I'm sure you guys saw some of my responses over the – or not really over the weekend, but late last week. Saw some of my responses, things I was saying to people. Um, I had to respond to our buddy Mark Ryan about, uh, about the quarterback situation. And when he was talking the message that it sends – to Ryan Holinsky. And listen, everybody, this is big-time SEC football, okay? This is big-time college football. If you don't want to deal with competition, there are plenty of other schools these kids could go to. And they know, listen, they know that. They know when they step on campus that nothing is guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed. Nobody said when Ryan Holinsky was recruited, you – you know, here we're signing a contract over that you, or you're going to be the starting quarterback. You have to be the quarterback. Or, you know, we're not signing anyone to any type of deals like that, okay? So, I only view the quarterback competition as a positive. And when is the last time South Carolina had a, had a good, healthy quarterback competition? It only makes these guys better. Iron sharpens iron. It does. It's great to have competition. My other big take on the quarterback, you know, Colin Hill being named QB1. And I think one of the reasons, like, I'm really not getting up in arms about it and I'm not, like, overreacting is that I think Ryan Holinsky's still going to play. Because for Ryan Holinsky to not see the field, basically, okay? And, I mean, listen, I, I don't mind if this happens because I just want to win games. I don't give a damn who's out there doing it. I just want to win football games, okay? But Colin Hill has got to stay healthy, which he's never done. And he's got to play well, which he didn't do a lot at Colorado State. So the odds of those two things happening throughout the entire 10-game season, I'm skeptical, okay? I'm very skeptical that those two things are going to just, oh, you just, yeah, for sure, they're just going to happen. Like, eh. And I wonder what the leash is going to be like this year. I mean, I'm fully behind Colin Hill 110%. You know, I want to see Colin Hill go third for 350 against Tennessee. But I just wonder what is the leash going to be like when you have a guy like Ryan Holinsky behind him who, you know, played good football last year, played really good football in the SEC. But I think when you read into the comments that Mike Bobo said, that Will Muschamp said, I think it's two guys and it's two coaches that understand, listen, they have to win now. And I saw a lot of comments about people Oh, my gosh, why are you playing Colin Hill? Ryan Linsky's the guy of our future. He's going to be here for the next two to three to maybe four years. You know, Colin Hill is just this transfer. And, and, yes, and the amount of people that don't understand this year doesn't count towards eligibility and that Colin Hill can return next year is a little scary. It's a little baffling that people don't understand that. But I've seen a lot of those comments. Like, Chris, 
come on, Ryan's the guy of our future. Like, what are we doing? Like, blah, blah, blah. Dude, none of that matters. There won't be a future for Will Muschamp or Mike Bobo if they don't win now. So, I, I, and like I said, I was not on one side or the other in this. I like Ryan. I like, I'm going to support whoever's behind center for South Carolina. I don't give a damn. And, yeah, hey, if Ryan was named QB1 and he went out there and played like dog shit, I'd want them to yank his ass too. I don't give a damn who it is. Pick the best guy and let him go play. And if you got to put QB2 in, hey, we have a great problem. We have a great problem. We have another guy that can come in and play good football. We don't have a massive unknown, right? Ryan Alinsky's not an unknown. I mean, Colin Hill's kind of more of an unknown than Ryan Alinsky at this point. Colin Hill's never taken a snap in the SEC. But <clears throat> as critical as I have been of Will Muschamp, I completely 110% understand this decision. Because it's like I've told you guys the past couple of weeks. And it's no indictment on Ryan Helinski. But Ryan, de facto, because of the the coaching change because of Mike Bobo coming in and installing a new system. Ryan was a true freshman all over again. He was a true, fr- you know, yes, he got the experience last year. That's all fine and dandy and great and everything, but he was a true freshman all over again when it comes to learning verbiage, when it comes to learning scheme, when it comes to learning system. And it's so funny. I'm almost like kicking myself. I'm kicking myself a little bit now because when I look back and I think to myself, when this first happened, that Bobo got the job and we saw Colin Hill announce, you know, he was transferring to, uh, to South Carolina, you know, I'm almost kicking myself like, why did I not see this coming? Because I'll be honest, when Colin Hill announced he was transferring and coming to Carolina, I thought to myself, this is going to be a guy that is going to have a veteran presence. He's going to influence Alinsky and Doty in a positive way. I thought he was going to be the number three quarterback. Isn't that crazy? I thought he was going to be QB3. And as things progressed and time started to pass and you started to hear things, and I mean, isn't it wild? We started hearing rumors about this over the summer. We started hearing rumors about this over the summer, like, hey, that Colin Hill kid, he can spin it a little bit. He knows what he's doing. He's healthy. He knows the playbook. He knows the system. And we started hearing that more and more and more. And I talked about on the show a few weeks ago when I said, at the beginning of fall camp, we're going to find out whether that off-season hype train for Colin Hill, was it all just smoke and mirrors and it was kind of just, you know, message board BS basically? Or is, is there some substance to this hype for Colin Hill? And guess what? It turns out there was. So, I totally understand the decision. Will Muschamp and Mike Bobo know they have to win now. And unfortunately, unlike the old schedule where you started with a Coastal Carolina, you started with an East Carolina, even Mizzou being your third game, you started with a slate where, hey, I think if it's, if it's, if it's that scenario with that schedule, you might see Ryan Helensky be named the starter. Because guess what? You're going to have a few weeks – to, to get him used to the offense. You're going to have a few weeks to get him in a rhythm, get him in a groove, before you really take on elite competition. You don't have that luxury now. You know, you do not have that luxury. You have to play the guy that gives you the opportunity to run the most of the playbook. It's going to be hard enough to beat Tennessee as it is. You really want to throw the guy out there that only knows 70% of the playbook? Or the guy that knows 110% of it. I mean, this dude knows the playbook better than Bobo does, according to the, according to the guys. So, again, 
I'm not on one side or the other. I want them to play the guy that gives South Carolina the best chance to win. South Carolina has a great problem, like I said, in the sense it has two good options. It has two good options. And, you know, one of the things I saw on social media, too, that I thought was – I just really didn't understand it is people saying how bad they feel for Ryan. Okay? And then does that sound harsh? I'll jump. Yeah, but let me explain. People saying how bad they feel. guys. He lost a quarterback battle, okay? Think about what Ryan Halinski has endured and been through in his young life. Think about what he has had to overcome. I have full confidence, 110% confidence, that Ryan Halinski will persevere through this. He will battle. He will be resilient. And I would, like I said, guys, he's going to see the field this year. I wouldn't be shot if he takes the starting job back by halfway through. I mean, who knows? <clears throat> who knows, right? That could certainly happen. But, you know, just for the, for the people on that, oh, my God, I feel so bad crowd. This is big-time college football. This is competition. There's always somebody coming in to take your job. That's just how it is at this level. It is what it is. But again, Ryan Holinsky, dude, is a warrior. He's a warrior. He's going to battle through this. He's going to overcome this adversity. So, again, I was not in, I, I wasn't in the, I'm not in the pro Hill, pro Holinsky. Like, I'm, I'm not one side or the other. I'm pro let's win ball games and play the guy who gives us the best opportunity to do that. The coaching staff feels like it's Hill at this point. And again, I understand why. Did he play good football at Colorado State? No. He did not. Did he stay healthy? No, he did not. But he knows the scheme and he knows the system. And when you watch him on film, the dude can spin the, the damn thing. He can spin the piglet. He can gyrate the piglet, as Steven Garcia would say. The dude can spin it. And I'll be totally honest with you guys, because I know like one of the one of the the big questions that's been coming up. Well, Chris, how does this change your thoughts on the Tennessee game? How does this change your thoughts on the 2020 season? That's another reason, guys, why I'm not getting worked up over this. I'm excited for the potential of what Colin Hill might bring because he is a bit of an unknown, and I think that's why the backup quarterback is always the most popular man on campus because he is that unknown. You have that hope and that thought, maybe this is the guy. Maybe, maybe he has that spark that we've been missing. But to be totally honest, and I hate to sound like a Debbie Downer or whatever you want to call it. If you want to call it negative, that's perfectly fine with me. But I don't think it really matters who plays quarterback, guys. Colin Hill and Ryan Holinsky are very similar players to me. I mean, I don't think their skill sets are all that different. The only difference is that Colin Hill knows the playbook and the system better than Holinsky. I really feel like that's the only difference. So... I'm not budging off of my preseason record prediction of three and seven. I'm not budging off of like this. And I don't think this is going to really change my prediction for the Tennessee game, but I'm not budging off of my record predictions or anything like that. And, and I hate to say that because I'd love to say that, Oh, all of a sudden Colin Hill being named QB one, this offense is going to be a juggernaut. I'd love to say that. I just don't think that is the case. So again, Final thoughts on it, because, again, we, we talked about it all late last week and all weekend and stuff like that. And it's probably going to be something we keep talking about. 
but just go win football games. I don't give a damn. We've got two good quarterbacks. We should feel blessed. We have two good quarterbacks, but I totally understand the decision. I get it. I get it. They know they have to win now. Guys, if you truly believe that the Tennessee game is the most important game of the season, which I think it is, it's going to set the tone for this entire year. You can't play a guy because, oh, well, he was our guy last year, and, man, we really don't want to make him feel bad because we don't want to name the other guy. No, no, no. Screw that. <laughs> no, no, no. You got to play the guy who gives you the best chance to win. And like Muschamp said, we can win with both guys. Sure. But the guy who knows the system and the scheme, that's the guy that gives you the best chance to win. Bottom line, that, that is the guy that's going to give you the best chance. So, again, get on the train if you're not. I tried to tell some of you leading up. There's some of you specifically I had in my head that, hey, buckle up because this really might be a real thing. Colin Hill might be your starting quarterback. And sure damn enough, he is. So. Get on board Hill for Heisman. I totally understand the decision, and here's hoping he balls out. And like I said, if he doesn't, guess what, guys? We've got a guy who's proven behind him. I love it. I love that we have quarterback competition. Hey, let's go win some ballgames. Let's go win some ballgames. Um, speaking of quarterback playing, just this offense in general, Mike Bobo, who filled in for Will Muschamp last week, I thought it was a really – I actually really liked it. I liked the call-in show with Mike Bobo. I thought, you know, Mike Bobo is a very well-spoken guy. Um, he knows what he's talking about, obviously, when it comes to X's and O's and football-wise. And he spoke a lot on Carolina offense on the last week's show. And I want to talk about what he said about the 2020 offense. Um, he said, quote, we're not going to be in two-back the whole time. We're going to be in spread formation. We're going to spread them out. But we're going to let them know we're at the ballpark. We're going to try to establish a physical style of play. And, again, I think this really just goes back to – sort of what I said, I've said all off season about what I think the offense is going to be like. I, and I'm very, I, that's, I, I mean, we're all excited. We're all on the edge of our seat. I'm so excited for 7:30 Saturday night that when that thing is kicked off and we just finally get to see what is this offense look like or what, what does this offense look like? You know, what is this offense? We finally get to get a real look at it. And again, I, I'm really excited for that, but I, I think it's going to be, a 60-40 run to pass. I think you're going to see a lot more under center. I think you are going to see South kind of mix up a little bit and spread it out like he was saying. But Mike Bobo wants to run the football. That, that is a given. The man wants to run the football, okay? So from those comments, from everything he talked about on Thursday night, everything I've heard previous to that as well, and especially with Colin Hill running the system. I will just be very intrigued. And again, a lot of this determined or a lot of this is determined by who you have on your roster. So I was going to say I'll be very intrigued to see how much do they go downfield in the passing game. Because I think you have to stretch the field vertically. You have to give the defense something to think about when it's over the top. You have to. You cannot let them, you know, creep up on you. It's like, hey, I dare you to beat us, and you can't do it. You got to be willing to go downfield. But with the lack of options you have on the outside. I mean, yes, you have Shaw Smith, but outside of that, wide receiver's a question. Let's, let's, let's throw a big old question mark on wide receiver. Will South Carolina be able to stretch the field vertically? But I'm expecting a very physical team, like I've said before. And I think while I'm critical of it in the long run, in the sense I don't think you can win big-time college football games, I don't think you can win at the level that Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State are on with an offense like that. 
that is really, I think it's going to look like an old school, early 2000s SEC offense. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But that's what I'm thinking it's going to look like. But with that being said, I think you can get to five and five with that offense, maybe even six and four with an offense that, hey, we're going to establish the run. We're going to be physical. Yes, we are going to mix in the pass, but we're not going to shoot ourselves in the foot. Our quarterback is not going to turn the football over. We are not going to put our, our defense in bad positions. And we're going to win time of possession, and we're going to play that game. We're going to lean on our defense. We're going to do just enough offensively, and we're going to find a way to beat you that way. I think you can get two five wins that way. I do. And, hey, I don't mind if that's the identity. I really don't have an identity. That's all we really – I think that's all we really want. That's all the fans want. Just give me an identity on offense. Let me know week to week what's going on. Let, let me have a clue what we want to do. But I, I think that's what you're going to see. And, again, those comments from Mike Bobo and, again, everything else he said, I, I think that's what you're going to kind of expect. It'll be interesting to see, like, what Muschamp says Tuesday, his Thursday call-in show, and then obviously Saturday when the game happens. But, uh, yeah, some good stuff for Mike Bobo. And that was a really fun call-in show to listen to. He, he's a well-spoken guy, knows X's and O's. He, he knows it. I mean, he knows offense like the back of his hand. So it, it'll be really, really interesting to, uh, you know, see what it looks like Saturday. Um, another thing, kind of a funny note. Man, are the new uniforms the worst-kept secret ever? I mean, South Carolina, it seems like we suck at keeping secrets in general. There's been so many things that leak with the Gamecocks, it seems. The new, the, the new uniforms somehow – leaked on SEC Network. I'm going to give my full opinions on it when that official reveal video drops. And I'll say the fact that it hasn't is absurd. It's lunacy that the official reveal video has not dropped yet. But it hasn't. And, I'm, you know, you, you think it's got to be coming this week. So, you know, we'll, we'll see when it comes out. And I will give, like I said, my official thoughts on it when I see the full combinations. But – Really, it's just the same uniform with the stripes on the, the stripes on the shoulder, and it's it's like the black. It's a it's a hybrid of the black magic and current uni. So, and we all saw it, like I said. So, you know, when we get the official uniform reveal video, I'll give my full thoughts on that. Um, another thing, really, really quickly, last thing on game week itself, and then we'll get the news and notes, and then uh, our interview stuff like that. But. Last thing for game week, South Carolina, and this line came out a long time ago, but officially, officially opening on game week. Gamecocks are a three-point underdog. Like I said, Wednesday's show is going to be my best bet and SEC game league picks. But South Carolina, a three-point home dog to Tennessee. And I'm not surprised, but I love the bulletin board material. Because, again, you're at home. I know you're not going to have a packed Willie B, but you are going to have 20,000. I think 20,000 can get a lot louder than people think. So, Gamecocks plus three at home. How do they respond to that? All right, a couple of news and notes. We'll get into your listener questions. Um, shout out to the GOAT, Asia Wilson, named WNBA MVP. She continues to just, just tear it up. I, I mean, if I, turning into really the face of not just the WNBA, but women's basketball as a whole, it, it's awesome to see. I mean, obviously, she's a fantastic player, but as an ambassador for the game of basketball, what she does, it's just it, – it's phenomenal to see. I mean, you got to love that she's a former Gamecock and everything else. So, congratulations, Asia Wilson. Just the accolades continuing to roll in WNBA MVP. Um, also, a couple Gamecocks named to the, pre or the preseason All-SEC coaches team. I don't know why I could not spit that out. But a couple Gamecocks named – and I thought this, is already, this has already come out. I thought this had already come out. But Gamecocks on the coaches' preseason All-SEC team. Offensive lineman Sedarius Hutchinson on the second team. Defensive lineman Aaron Sterling on the second. 
Defensive back, Israel McCormick on the second. Then you have linebacker, Ernest Jones, and defensive back, J.C. Horn on the third team. It's only one offensive player on any teams, and it's an offensive lineman. So a lot to prove there. And, again, a bunch of those, a bunch of those defensive guys getting the accolades they deserve. No jammy, J.C. being third team, whatever. All that's kind of BS anyways. But good for those guys to get the accolades. Good for those guys to get the recognition, um, you know, that I would say they all deserve. So uh, last thing really quickly, South Carolina receiving 22 votes in the latest coaches poll. 22 votes in the latest coaches poll, which was dropped Sunday afternoon. Again, what does it really mean, this grand scheme of things? Nothing. But what's interesting is South Carolina, for sure, 110% is going to be taking on a ranked Tennessee Volunteers team. So you got a big opportunity. You got a big opportunity with a ranked Tennessee team coming to Williams-Brice Stadium. It's going to be a lot of fun. Again, you know, weird year. Big Ten's not fat. Who gives a damn? A ranked win is a ranked win, the way I look at it. I'll give it to you. I'll tip my cap to you and say, hey, you beat a ranked opponent, whatever. So pretty cool that South Carolina gets the opportunity to open the season with a bang. They really do. They get the opportunity to open the season with a bang. All right, let's get into your listener questions. A lot of listener questions to get into here on a Monday. We'll start JB Gary underscore 0630. Are you going to make it to the game? Like I said, no, I'm setting up a watch party for the game. I'll make it to at least one or two this season, but guys, I'm just going to be totally honest. I, I'm not overpaying to go to a game. I'm not paying two, $300. Um, if it comes up to where I can go or something happens, cool, whatever. I mean, I can go to them, but if I can throw a watch party, if I can throw an event, a lot of people need a place to watch the game. So I'd love to do that. Be for the people, whatever. Um, but obviously, I'll keep you guys updated. I mean, you never know because it's easy. Here's the thing with me. It's easy for me to sit here right now and say, oh, no, I'm not going to the stadium. I'm not going to the game. But when I get to game day, I'm like, oh, man, like I want to go to the stadium so bad. I want to go in because I love going in. I'm still one of those people that believes there's nothing like being there in person. I mean, I just genuinely – there's nothing like being there in person. Nothing. So, who knows? Who knows? Who knows how many games I'll be at that I'll actually go to, but I'll keep you guys up there on that for sure. Um, Austin G underscore 45. What is Colin Hill's final stat line after the Tennessee game? Very, very good question here. It's hard to say, but you asked me and put me on the spot, so I'm going to give you an official stat line. Just off the top of my head, gun to head, I'm going to say 18 for 30. That feels like a high number of pass attempts, doesn't it? I'm going to go eight. That's just coming to my mind. 18 for 30. He throws for 234 and a touchdown. One touchdown, zero interceptions. That's whatever. Hey, we'll see how close I am. That's what came to my head. Adam underscore Madison. What other position besides quarterback and wide receiver will play a pivotal role in this game against Tennessee? Line of scrimmage. Offensive and defensive line will be massive. Um, it, the, 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 the image or whatever, the, the stat, I guess you could call it, has been getting passed around all weekend of Tennessee. They have four or five stars and a sixth-year senior on their offensive line. That battle in the trenches is going to decide this game. That battle in the trenches will decide the game. Also, South Carolina's DBs against Tennessee's wide receivers and really their quarterback, that's going to play a pivotal role. But, man, it's all going to start in the trenches. And, again, I'm going to break that down fully on the Thursday show, but that's where it's going to begin. That's where this game is going to be won. If South Carolina can win that battle in the trenches, they're going to give themselves a great opportunity to win this football game. But you got to win in the trenches. You have to hold your own at the point of the attack. And really, I mean, that's every SEC game. 
That's really every football game. If you get your ass whipped in the line of scrimmage, you're not going to win. But it's even more of a pivotal point this week when Tennessee, when you look at what they have on the line of scrimmage and how good they are. You have to be able to hold your own against these guys to have a chance. Um, Spencer Sox won. If the offense scores over 30, do you think we'll win? Yeah. Yeah, I do. No questions asked. I mean, dude, there, there are, I don't know if there's many games this year if we scored over 30, I'd say we lose. Honestly, the defense should be good. The defense should hold up their end of the bargain. We all know the problems are only, really, I say only, but they're mainly offensively. They're mainly offensively. So, yeah, if we score over 30, yeah, we're going to win. I would be shocked if we scored over 30 and lost. Like, utterly shocked. So, yes, to answer your question, yes, we will win if we score over 30. Uh, Scott W. Lawson, where's the biggest position mismatches in our favor on Saturday? In our favor is a really good question. I would say the one that comes to mind is, I guess, South Carolina's DBs against Tennessee's wide receivers. Um, I think that could be a position match much mi- – what am I talking about? A position mismatch that you have – you know, you're favored in. But overall, I, th- I think it's fairly even across the board. I mean, I, I don't think there's many – there's many groups where I look at and say, oh, we just have the clear-cut advantage over Tennessee here. Um, you know, I, I think it's pretty even across the board, but maybe the secondary against their wide receivers could be an advantage for us for sure. Um, McCown Josh, how will the offense fare with Hill in at the quarterback position? I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to see a very efficient group. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be anything that's must-see TV. I don't think it's going to knock your socks off. I don't think – you know, we're going to wow anybody or be on Sports Center top 10. But I think with Colin Hill, it's going to be an efficient offense. They're not going to turn the football over, like I was saying earlier, what the identity is going to be. I think you are going to see that from the veteran Colin Hill. And finally, last question, really fun question here. CP3 underscore presents underscore. Would you rather sit through 10 straight losing seasons of USC or become a Clemson fan tomorrow? Man, I'd rather watch... Carolina lose every game for the history of their lifetime than be a Clemson fan. I really would. I will wear the L. Hey, I'd rather wear the L than wear orange. Bottom line. I'd rather wear the L than wear orange. So, just to let you guys know, there's no secret there to hell with that. No, hell no. Let me me sit back, relax, enjoy every Saturday when my team loses versus being a Clemson fan. Absolutely not. All right, appreciate the listener questions as always, guys. Have a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks offensive lineman Mike Matulis. Mike, an awesome dude again. We had a great conversation. One of the better convos I've ever had on the, way, on the airwaves. I mean, really, Mike is an awesome guy. Um, played, obviously, on some of the best teams in school history. Saw really a little bit of it all. I mean, he saw the highest of highs. He saw the lowest of lows. We talk about all that and more, guys. Sit back, relax, enjoy. It is all brought to you by our friends at Southern Oaks remodeling guys southern oaks remodeling locally and family owned over 15 years of experience if you're not familiar they specialize in roofing windows doors siding and additions and they are serving the greater columbia area guys i've had the opportunity and the pleasure to meet the guys over at southern oaks remodeling they're actually doing some work for a couple of my different friends right now and for me as well and i can tell you guys when you're picking a company especially to come in your home it's a very personal experience, right? You're going to get to know these people. You're going to interact with them a lot over the, over the course of time because when you're doing something remodeling, it's going to take weeks on weeks on maybe months. 
it goes so beyond the work they do. Like I said, over 15 years of experience, they're locally and family owned, and you really get that family owned feel with Southern Oaks remodeling. And it goes beyond the work they do, which is fantastic, but especially when you're getting remodeling done, right? It's, it's a project. You want to make sure it looks good. You want to make sure you're taken care of. Southern Oaks remodeling is going to take care of you. Again, if you're in, if you're in the greater Columbia area, if you have anything going on again, roofing, windows, doors, siding, additions, they can do it all for you. Any type of remodeling project or job you have, stop waiting around, get it done. Call the folks over at Southern Oaks remodeling and over 15 years experience. They're going to take care of you and get you right. So be sure to hit them up and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Also, really quickly before we get in the interview, guys, as we're in a game week, I feel like it'd be irresponsible not to tell you. If you need tickets to this game on Saturday, because ticket prices, they're not cheap. They are not cheap. I'm going to spoil it for you right now. They are not cheap. If you need your tickets, SeatGeek is going to be your saving grace. It is going to be the way to go this season. I already checked. They have South Carolina football tickets available for every single game. Go download the SeatGeek app. Go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, again, all of the games are there. They have a great ticket rating system, which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So, listen, we all know nobody's scalping this year, okay? Nobody's doing that. Everybody's getting their tickets digitally. Everybody's getting them through their phone. Everybody's buying tickets through an app. SeatGeek is going to be the way to go. And again, with the tickets being so expensive, everybody could use the extra money. Everybody could use a free $20 in their pocket. I am literally putting $20 in your pocket when you use SeatGeek. Again, like I said, they're changing the game when it comes to ticket buying because they're going to show you exactly. And especially with this year, especially with this year because the seating is socially distant. So you want to know exactly where you're sitting, what you're paying, what type of deal you're getting. They take care of all of that for you. They take care of all of that, so you see that beforehand. So really, when you click that buy button, you have the peace of mind. You're not thinking to yourself, oh, my God, I overpaid. I just got ripped off. I don't even know where the tickets are. No, no, no. SeatGeek takes care of all of that for you. So, again, that is our friends at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-U-R-S-U-P to save $20 off your first purchase. Enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks offensive lineman Mike Matulis. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show. Very excited. He played for the Gamecocks offensive line from 2011 to 2015. Was a freshman All-American and part of some of the best teams in school history. He's now boxing now. This dude is a certified badass. I know I can say that. Former Gamecocks offensive lineman, Mike Matulis. Mike, appreciate you taking the time, man. Like I said, off air, I'm glad we were able to make it work, and I'm really excited to talk with you. Thank you for having me, and thank you for everyone who listens. Absolutely. No, for sure. For sure. So, Mike, I want to go back to the beginning for you because it's a really interesting path to South Carolina. You're from the state of Florida, uh, played your high school ball at Park Vista, Boynton Beach, Florida. Um, yeah, but you're from the state of Florida. You come to South Carolina, but you had a, you're one of the highest rated prospects in Florida as far as offensive linemen are concerned. You had offers from Florida State, Illinois, Kentucky, Louisville, Minnesota, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. The list goes on and on, but you pick South Carolina. You go, you follow Steve Spurrier. Again, you had the option to stay in state. Just talk about your recruiting process, what it came down to for you, and why you picked South Carolina. Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was fun times during high school. You know, schools coming in, offers coming out. Um, but yeah, Florida State, Ole Miss, and actually Vanderbilt were probably my top three. Mm. And um, 
at the, at the time. And then my mom was actually, she was like, I, I really hope South Carolina comes in and offer you for whatever reason. My mom just, she was like, I want South Carolina. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was actually, it came down to the wire and I was getting ready to commit to FSU and then South Carolina, they offered me. And my mom said, my mom and dad, they were like, why don't you go take a look at South Carolina? See if you like it. You know, if you change your mind, then you can always commit to FSU when you get back. Did, and did the, when I came up to South Carolina, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, did the how much did the Steve Spurrier effect? Did you know of him, obviously, growing up in the state of Florida? I mean, it's, it's hard not to know who he is, but did that factor in at all? Maybe like your mom was a low-key Spurrier fan or like? <laughs> not, I mean, not that I know of, unless she's got something else to tell me, but <laughs> I, uh, growing up, I mean, I, I, you know, I played football, but I never really followed it like that. Right. Uh, so I didn't, you know, I knew when I, cause when I told people from Florida that I was going up to play for Steve Spurrier, people would lose their minds. So I started kind of realizing it then, but I didn't realize it, uh, you know, coming up. For sure. So you get on campus, Mike. I think it's really interesting. I, I want to ask you, before we get on the field, I was just talking to you off air again. What made you so recognizable back in the college days? I know everybody can attest, but the dreads that were so awesome. The dreads were awesome. Mm -hmm. when, when did you start growing the hair out? Like, when did that become a thing for you? I think my sophomore year. Because I used to rock the buzz cut. Right. Um, I'd switch on and off. And so I think my sophomore year, I started growing it out. And then – Maybe it was like towards the end of it that I, I for you know, I, it was a, a thing that I did because I had a bunch of injuries. Um, so it was a thing that I did as like my promise that while I'm playing football, you know, I'm going to give it my all. And uh, it was my locks, I guess I would say, my lock with me. And uh, when I got done, I cut them. But they, they may make a comeback one day soon. Yeah, I was gonna say you're you're a lot more cleaned up now. I, I feel like it had to be so popular. <laughs> it had to be so popular in the locker room, man. Like the 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 white guy mm -hmm. with the dreads. I mean, it's like like he's like I told shaking you, like up, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, doing the Justice Cunningham, shaking the dreads and mm -hmm. everything. But uh, you you get on campus again, like I mentioned, you play for Steve Spurrier, and I, I've talked to different guys, and it's interesting. Obviously, you were on his offenses, so and you guys were a key part of that for sure. I mean, definitely with the running game and everything mm -hmm. else. But what was the relationship like with you and Spurrier? Did you have a lot of interactions with him? Because we all know, again, he's, he's hell on his quarterbacks. He's hell on his wide receivers from guys I've talked to. But what is Spurrier like in regards to the relationship with his offensive linemen? It was, it was a very good relationship. I mean, me and Spurrier were, um, you know, I'm not going to say we were best buds, but mm. definitely had a really good relationship with him. Uh, he was a player's coach, and he cared about the players. Uh, you know, he, everybody that played on that field, he cared about. Uh, but it was a it was a very interesting relationship. I mean, and sometimes when he would give us instruction on how to block, you know, you just all you gotta all you gotta do is just get in front of the guy, you know, just just get in front of him. I mean, so it was uh, you know, he he had his input, um, but he, it was a good relationship. You know, he was a good coach, very good coach, and person. Now, I, I want to ask you about a guy sticking with coaching, and then we'll talk about you on the field specifically. But mm -hmm. Sean Elliott, that's obviously a guy you had daily interaction with. He was your coach, and obviously he was your offensive line coach uh, the entire time you were at South Carolina, correct? Because Eric Wolford, I think, left mm -hmm. in 2009. Yes. Yeah, so he was your offensive line coach that entire period. Obviously took over, and we'll get to in just a second. But 2015, he takes over as the interim head coach. But, again, talk about your relationship with him. He's now at Georgia State doing great things. And I think somebody that Gamecock fans all, you know, all really admired and liked. I thought Sean Elliott did a really, really good job. But 
just talk about him, what he brought to the table. I know he was a really intense, fiery guy. I always used to love seeing yes. the guys down there shoving each other, the mosh pit he would do before every I, game. I got the chills now. you just saying it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the mosh <laughs> yeah, pit before every game. Yeah, just, just uh -huh. talk about Coach Elliott. He was a mentor. Uh, you know, he was more than just a coach. I mean, he was a real – he was a mentor. Uh, he, he made men. You know, you came in kind of – you hear the saying, come in a boy, you leave a man. I mean, but it really was like that. You know, he, he wanted players to leave men. You know, whether you played in the NFL or not, he wanted you to leave a better man. For your family, you know, for your future family, you know, on just on and off the field, the work ethic, it just being honest was a big thing that he was about. Uh, he he was a phenomenal person for sure. So, 2011, again, your freshman year, Mike, you were a first team freshman All American, according to Sporting News. But it was really interesting how sort of your freshman year evolved because when you take a look deeper, you were kind of slated to redshirt that first year. Kyle Nunn was the senior starting left tackle. He goes down with a back injury. You get inserted in. I want to ask you first, what was the adjustment like for you from going from high school ball to the SEC? I mean, it's the highest level. I mean, heck, you're a freshman with Jadavion Clowney, so I'm sure you're going up against him in practice. And like, You're probably thinking yes. to yourself, like, what have I gotten myself into going up against these guys? Like, what was that? What was Henry that adjustment Melvin like? Back to back. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Melvin Ingram back to back. Yeah, it was. Uh, <clears throat> you have to like we were talking about kind of before. You got to roll with the punches. I mean, either either fold or you you know you step up to the plate. And um, I saw it as an opportunity, but it was a huge adjustment. You know, I mean, it's the game moves so much quicker, so you got to be able to step up to it. You got to be able to make those adjustments. But I, and I didn't make that the first start that I had either. You know, my first start was against Auburn, and I got pulled, I think, the first quarter. I don't remember. I had a penalty, gave up a sack. Mm. Uh, so, it, it, you know, it came later on because I, I don't think I was mentally ready for it. You know, like you said, I, I thought I was slated the red shirt. You know, I thought my freshman year would be cool. I traveled. <laughs> I, you know, party or whatever and right. show it off that I was traveling <laughs> with the team. And, you know, it, uh, when, they, when I played, I, it was – it was a wake-up call, mm. and uh, I'm glad that it happened the way it did, you know, because the, the practices after that, I realized the position that I was in and that I lost and that I wanted to get back. So I had to make adjustments. Yeah, and you certainly did. Like I said, I think you had five starts that year. It sounded about right. You, you, you definitely made an impact later in that year. And, again, your first start against Auburn, I mean, that was really a rocky game for everybody, but, you know, it didn't turn out the way you wanted. But I – I want to ask you about Steven Garcia um, because Garcia is a guy, a friend of mine. We've had him on the show a couple of times. Obviously, mm -hmm. you guys are both Florida boys, but ironically enough, your first start was his last one, um, his yeah. last game at no South correlation. Carolina. No correlation. No, no, I'm not pinning that on you. I'm just saying the irony. But, again, I know you weren't around Steven a ton because, again, you were a true freshman. You'd mm -hmm. just gotten on campus. But, I just am really curious to hear from you because I know offensive linemen have a really good relationship with their quarterback. That's your guy. You know, that's the guy you're protecting. And you go from Garcia to Shaw. Uh, just take me inside the locker room, inside the minds of the guys on the team when that whole Steven Garcia saga unfolds. He gets booted from the team. You transition to Connor Shaw, who obviously finished out that season very well. But, like, what was that, what was that transition like? I mean, I feel like that had to be kind of weird because when you watch – you got when – you, when, you, when you watch the team play, you watch Steven Garcia – you could tell his teammates loved him. I mean, he was a guy that was, mm -hmm. you know, beloved by his teammates. What, what, yeah. what, just, just kind of walk me through, like, what was that like being a part of that and that kind of going through that and that happening? 
you know, it's it's hard. I, I guess because I was so I had so much going on myself. Right. I didn't even realize the energy that was going on with that in the locker room. Mm. You know, like you said, like I I had to make an adjustment. Everyone's got to make an adjustment. You know, Connor Shaw had to make an adjustment. I mean, so it's just part of it. I mean, players go players go down. Somebody has to step up. It's just part of the game. You know, I think people were taken back by it because of the whole situation. And I don't know the whole, you know, everything that happened to the full extent, so I can't speak on it. But, um, you know, I think the situation had people a little kind of taken back. But people stepped up. People had to play. I mean, and that finished out to be a really good season for us. You mentioned your freshman year you planned on partying. I have to imagine some of those came with Steven Garcia. There's, there's no way they didn't. Ah, a few nights in village. A few nights <laughs> in village, village of course. Shout out Brian Glenn, village idiot. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so yeah, like I said, Connor Shaw takes over, and like we were just talking about, I mean, he obviously did fantastic that year. The first eleven win season in South Carolina history. What was the change like? Did you know early on with Connor, like, hey, this guy's going to be a really good one? Because obviously, he turned out to be the best quarterback in school history. He's a winner. Right. He's a winner. I mean, that's just the best way to put it. I mean, I, you know, I could put a ton of adjectives to the name, but the best one is he's a winner. He gets things done. For sure. Like I just mentioned, you're part of the Gamecocks football team that won 11 games in a season for the first time in school history. I'm sure it meant a lot to you at that point, you know, mm-hmm. being a part of that team. Heck, you did it two more times. But when you look back now, I mean, what, what does that mean to you to be able to say – and, and really, Bill, say you were part of the greatest run in school history, but to be a part of the team, the first ever team to win 11 games at South Carolina, what does that, what does that mean to you now? You know, when you tell people, too, because, uh, you know, people ask times, you know, uh, oh, you played for Carolina, and you tell them that, oh, you were part of the 11-win season. You know, they, the eyes just, you can see it. They, they become more uh, intrigued to your story or to – Sorry, getting a call right there. Oh, you're good. good. Um, I can clip it. Yeah, people are more, you know, they're more, they're more listening there. They're more um, focused on to what you have to say now. You know, an 11-win season was something, like you said, that hasn't been done here in South Carolina. So people are, they're more focused on what, what I have going on. And, you know, oh, wow, really, you were this. And then, unfortunately, I have to end with, we also had probably one of the worst seasons. You know, my last season was probably one of the worst seasons. I think it was like since 1990 or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Um, but it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, you know, to be a part of history, uh, it's something you can't take away from somebody. You know, it's in the books. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You kind of saw the best of times and the worst of times. It's, it's mm-hmm. interesting, which I want to get to in just a bit. But you personally, Mike, you and a lot of guys have to deal with this. I mean, listen, when you're playing football, nobody is 100% really. Everybody's got dings, they got bruises, they're beat up, whatever. But injuries certainly played a factor in your career. 2012, you had an injured shoulder. 2013, you had to redshirt, which I think a lot of people forget. Um, you're like, where's Mike mm-hmm. Matulis? Oh, he had to redshirt because he had his right shoulder scoped. Um, 2014, you suffered a knee injury. I, you, you battled injuries your entire career. And again, it's common with offensive linemen. I mean, you're in the trenches. You're in those battles. You're getting beat up. Just, just talk about, though, because as much of it is a physical grind, I'm sure that had to be a mental grind for you as well to just be able to be resilient and battle these injuries. Uh, yeah, I think the hardest part was the mental part of it. You know, I mean, you, you have one injury. You come back from it. I mean, it's, it's, you, especially I had a hard time gaining weight. 
you know, so I'm, my freshman year, I'm all about trying to gain weight. And then you have that surgery and, you know, you lose a lot of weight. And then so it's another fight to gain the weight. Then you got to get back to where you were before. And so, you know, I did all that, came back, and I ended up sort of starting my sophomore year again, some games, and then I got hurt again. And then, you know, I had to get surgery again, came back, and still something wasn't right. And so then I had to get another surgery. So I had three total sur- surgeries on my shoulders, and it was just, it was, you know, it was, mm. took a lot out of me. I mean, because it's just something you got to fight, you know, it's, you start over again, and you got to build back up, and then you start over and you build back up. And then, I mean, after my – I actually played three games with a torn ACL. I didn't want to do surgery um, my junior year. And then, you know, ultimately had to get that done. And that was, you know, it was tough. But at that point, I had already decided I'm finishing this out. You know, I mean, but I, I did have some times where it was, it was tough. And thankfully, the people in my life had helped push me to keep going. For sure. So there's so many games we could talk about from your time at South Carolina, again, that were just, you know, memorable games, games that Mm -hmm. South Carolina fans will literally never forget. But 2012 Georgia, 2013 Clemson, 2014 Georgia are a couple that stand out to me as I I was in the building. I wasn't in the building for 12 Georgia. I was in the building for the other Mm -hmm. two, though. Some of the loudest moments in Williams-Brice history. Was 12 Georgia, would you say, was that the loudest year? Because I know most people tout that. That's the loudest moment ever when when Ace takes the punt return bat. Again, we could we could talk about just that game. We could spend a whole podcast talking yeah. about just that game because it was just – I mean, this, the scene, the setting, college game day, the night game, you beat the shit out of Georgia. I mean, was that the was that the craziest football game you've ever been a part of as far as like the pan, pandemonium and just the, the madness with the crowd? Being on the team, yes. That was probably the loudest time. But my actually – like the loudest time in Williams-Brice for me is when we beat – it was actually my official visit when we beat Alabama mm. when they were number one. And that was the loudest I've ever heard Williams-Brice Stadium. Uh, but during my time as a player, yeah, Georgia was mm. – that was unreal. I mean, it was electric. That's a heck of an official visit, I must say. By the way, I don't know how yes. you commit anywhere else at that point. I mean, that's, <laughs> I, I mean, how? I mean, you come to one game, you you, you beat Alabama. Yes. It's like, okay, I guess I'm going here. I mean, this is like it was yes, they in. were riding in the streets. I was like, all right, this I can get behind this. I lock like it this. in. This seems like a good time <laughs> for sure. Um, so that again, the 12 season happens. You have a really good year. Walk me through 13 again. You have the red shirt. You have your right shoulder scope. It happened on August 9th. And you missed all of spring ball while rehabbing the yes. shoulder. Again, I know, I know we already talked about kind of the injuries, but just how tough was it to, to watch? You know, you're still on the team. Obviously, you're rehabbing, but you missed the season. And 2013 was another magical year for Carolina. I mean, Connor Shaw's a senior. It's, it's yeah. Clowney's last ride to, to watch your teammates and, not, and, you know, obviously be on the sideline. Like how, I know you were happy for your guys, obviously, but I, I'm sure that had to be tough to watch them do what they were doing. Very. You're just wishing, man, I wish I was out there and a part of it. Yes, very. I mean, you you know, you're a part of the team, but you don't feel like you're a part of the team because right. it's, it's different when you're out there and you're going through those practices, those grueling practices day in and day out, and, you know, you're kind of sitting in the training room or, you know, you're standing on the sidelines watching. So it's it's different. Uh, it's tough. I mean, and that's, that's another part of the mental aspect of being injured that a lot of people don't see or realize is, you know, you don't really feel a part of the team. You, you feel kind of left out. Um, and not that anybody ever made you feel that way. I mean, I, I was great people on the team. But it's just – that's just something – that's how you feel, you know. You're watching everybody do it. And you, you want to – like you said, you want to be out there so bad. 
I mean, that's just – that's everything you live for. You know, one of my favorite mantras, and Will Muschamp says this a lot, though, iron sharpens iron, right? Good on good, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you think when you played – I mean, the defensive linemen that South Carolina had, I mean, you, not outside of Clowney. Clowney, Ingram, Devin Taylor, Chaz Devin Sutton. Taylor. I yeah, mean, you just keep, you know, keep going down the list. Mm-hmm. How much better did that make you? I mean, going up against those guys, like I feel like there's no way you're going to see a better lineman, like on an SEC team. There's no, you're not going up against anybody like you're seeing in practice. World's better, and it gave me confidence too. You know, because that, that's what I tell myself in my head. I was saying I'm going up against probably some of the best D linemen in the country. You know, I mean, it really, I mean, it, it was, it gave me a lot of confidence. I mean, because back to back, you know, I had. I, sometimes I'd play left, and then I'd go to move to right, the second team, and then I'm going against Devin Taylor. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going up against all of them every single day. Chad Sutton, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it was grueling, but it, it made me so much better. Yeah, for sure. No, it's like I said, you're going up against those guys every day. It's, it's going to make you a lot better. I, I want to switch gears a little bit, Mike, and talk specifically offensive line for you. Cause I, I'm always – I'm actually always really excited when I talk to a guy that played offensive line at South Carolina because – Offensive line to me, it's it's one of those deals where I feel like unless you played the position, you don't really understand everything that goes into it. You know, you don't understand the intricacies, the way it works. Um, you know, because as offensive linemen, the only time you guys get recognition is when you screw up, pretty much. I mean, if if you don't yeah, oh, hear yeah. anything about the offensive line, they're doing their job. But when you hear about yes, them, they're either making yes. a penalty, they're they're getting a holding, it's a false start, whatever. They're missing an assignment, they're missing a block, whatever. I want to ask you this question. You can get as deep as you want as far as offensive line play. What's the toughest thing about being an offensive lineman in the SEC? Because, again, I think a lot of people talk O-line and they put blame on the O-line, but without kind of understanding what really goes into, you know, a a good group of five offensive line for an SEC team. Like, what what are the biggest challenges? What's the toughest things? Just things you can point out as far as playing offensive line in the SEC. The toughest thing, I mean, is it's a car crash. Every play, you know, I mean, our Coach Elliott used to tell us, if you didn't hit anybody on that play, you messed up. You know, I mean, you didn't – you had a bad play. So, it's, it is a car crash every single play. I mean, it is just boom, boom, boom. And you live with it. I mean, you grow up, you know, in high school, I mean, you get a little bit more recognition because you're probably the big guy in your town and, you know, you've got a big offer from somebody, some, you know, somewhere. So, you get a little more recognition. But even in high school, I mean – you know, we had a really good running back in my high school, Trey Mason, and he had got a ton of recognition. And, and it was the same thing there. You know, I mean, not a lot of people noticed anything that we, you know, if we had a hell of a game, they didn't know that, you know, Trey had a hell of a game, which is fine. You know, that's just part of the position. You live with it. Um, the unsung heroes. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. I mean, for sure. And I think about like this year's South Carolina team and you think about the offensive line, just, just how, I mean, it, it's, no matter what, I don't think football ever changes. It's one in the trenches. Bottom line, it's one in the trenches. Whoever wins the line of scrimmage yes. is most likely going to win the game. Um, I'll ask you about the three bowl game victories. And you actually won 14 as well. But 11, 12, 13, 14, which one of those bowl games sticks out to you is maybe like your favorite? I know that Nebraska won the first year had to be really special because that was the one to get to 11. And obviously that was a huge deal. But just, just I guess, talk about overall your memories from the bowl games. Because, you, again, you have a lot of great memories from bowl games from your time at South Carolina. I'd say 11 just because I played in that one. Yeah, uh, the rest of them I were hurt. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it was, you know, it was unreal. I mean, you know, 
get the big ring at the end of it, let alone the win. You know, you got the nice 11 win ring. Um, but it was uh, that that pass. I believe it was to Alshon Jeffrey. We did the uh, right before halftime. Hail or Mary. The, the that, Hail Mary, yeah. Yeah, the Hail Mary. I mean, that was, you know, I mean, because sometimes we run these plays with Spurrier uh, during practice, Coach Spurrier. And, you know, you're like, when the hell are we ever going to run this play? <laughs> Is it going to work? You know, I mean, and sure as shit, we run this play and it, it works. You know, I mean, we got a touchdown from it. And, you know, we kind of all shut up after that because it worked. Yeah, my, my favorite story from that game I've heard different guys tell is I think they said that uh, you guys are on the bus and you pull up and he's kind of just pointing out Nebraska and all their tradition and their success and how many championships or whatever. And he, he's like he's like pointing it out and just saying that, you know, like we're going to beat those guys today. Like we don't have all that tradition. We mm-hmm. don't need it. We're going to go get this win today. I, th- I think that's a really cool like little spurrier story in regards to that game for sure. So um, 2014, I, I want to ask you, going from 13 to 14, and I've asked many guys this, many of your former teammates, and I'm sure the answer will probably be nearly the same because I don't think you ever see it coming. But 2014, going into that year, you lose Connor. You lose a lot. I mean, you lose Connor Shaw, who was really the heart and soul of your team. But insert Dylan Thompson, who played a lot, obviously, had won some at 2012 Clemson. He wins that game for you on the road. Um, he obviously played in big moments. He played some really good football. Lose a lot on the defensive side. I'll ask you, though, from your perspective, when you look back now, just being honest about it, did you see the drop off coming in fourteen? I mean, was it something where you kind of felt like, or was it, or or were you like most of us fans, where you just assumed you're just going to keep rolling, just insert new players, but this this ship's going to keep rolling? Uh, yeah, I mean that's what you, you know. You don't ever think, oh no, we're screwed. You know, right. we're going to have a terrible season. I mean, yes, because it, it's a part of sports. You know, I mean, it's or part at least college sports. You know, is people graduate, people move right. on. You just got to insert, you know, you just got to plug in new players and keep it moving. You can't think about, oh, no, we lost Clowney. What are we going to do? Right. You know, shit, it happens. It's part of sports. You just got to keep going with the punches. I mean, no one expected it to go like that. I mean, you know, you don't ever expect the, or want a shitty season. For sure. So, I, I brought up the Clemson game, by the way, and I want to ask you, being from the state of Florida, I know, again, you, like I said, you weren't like a college football junkie or anything. So, I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. you didn't find yourself just watching Car- – random Carolina Clemson games or whatever, but how quickly did it click for you how big of a deal that rivalry was? As soon as I rolled into town, me and my mom <laughs> drove up. As soon as I rolled into town, I, we were driving by gas stations and they've got Carolina, big Carolina Gamecocks. And, and I had no idea what a Gamecock was really until I came <laughs> up here either. But we're seeing, me and my mom are seeing cocks written all over shirts and pants and we're like, you know my my mom still has a tough time saying it but uh yeah I mean you just you see it everywhere and I mean in South Florida you don't really see that you know there's not U of M or FAU stuff everywhere I mean but when you come up here it's 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 a religion I mean it's people love their Gamecock football I mean it's everywhere for sure, that so, rivalry is, is something else. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, do you do you have any? Because I know again with your injury history, I, I forget which games you played and which games you were hurt. But I mean, do you have any specific memories from the actual games being in those battles? I mean, obviously you did very well against Clemson. You start out your career winning mm-hmm. three in a row against them. I mean, do you, is there anything that sticks out from those games or from your time at Carolina being in those in those battles with Clemson? It's just fun. The energy. I mean, you know they. They wanted to win really bad. We wanted to win really bad. I mean, it's just 
two teams going out there and going at it. I mean, this, the energy is just there. You can feel it. I mean, even that pregame warm-up, you're looking at the other side and, you know, they're looking at you and everybody's getting high, the heads are moving, everyone's ready to play. And that first kickoff, you know, it's, it's, it's just like a feeling you can't even explain. I mean, you know, when you know you're ready to go out there, it's just your foot's tapping a little bit. You're ready to go. You know, it's electric. For sure. So the 14 season ends and there's a lot of highs. There's a lot of lows. You do get the bowl win over Miami, which was a big one. I know it was obviously a rough one for you because you had that knee injury and it kind of knocked you out for the rest mm-hmm. of the season. But what I want to focus on is Steve Spurrier. And because going from 14 to 15 now, that, that was weird because I think that was the offseason that Spurrier made the the two to three more years comment, which just blew up. Mm-hmm. And everybody, you know, he kind of had to to backtrack or anything. And obviously 15 being the year that he retires. Now, I feel like, again, your answer is going to be the same thing going from 13 to 14. But was there any, you know, maybe talk amongst the players or just for you personally that you thought maybe maybe this – not that this will be his last year, but Spurrier's getting close to hanging it up. Like, was that ever even a thought that crossed your mind? No, I didn't think that at all. Honestly, I mean, going into 15, I thought we were about to have a hell of a year. Mm-hmm. I really felt it. Uh, but, no, I didn't, expect, I didn't see that coming. I don't think anybody did. I don't think any of the coaches did. I mean, I remember when he went and told us that he was done, and you could just look at everybody's faces, and they were like, coaches. I mean, no, I don't think anybody saw it coming. For sure. I so, mean, from a fan's perspective, what did y'all – I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, watching I, it, hearing it, what, where were you guys at with it? Yeah, you? I mean, I, I guess – yeah, I, I didn't see it happening certainly the way it did. I mean, I mean, Spurrier was an older guy. You had to think, okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come sooner rather than later. I don't think – I don't think, at least my perspective, I didn't think he was going to coach 10 more years or anything. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I didn't think 15 would be the last one. Especially when he had – I know you remember he had in, in the preseason, he had the – because the, the Drake song, I Got Enemies, Got a Lot of Enemies, that was the big song. And he kind of, like, cited that kind of, which was weird, saying, like, oh, we've got a lot of enemies <laughs> out here. Don't listen to our enemies, you know. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, Spurrier's re-energized. You know, he's fired. You beat UNC week one. I'm like, okay, all right, this – all right, well, here we go. Like you said, we're about to have a hell of a year. What, it, it, nothing else, it'll be like last year, a little bit better. Obviously, yeah. nobody saw coming what happened the rest of that season. But mm. I, I want to switch gears a little bit in the sense of off the field because I think something really, really cool. You go to Williams-Brice right now, and obviously it's changed a lot since you were there as far as the, mm. the upgrades and the facilities and stuff like that. But I like to ride by Willie B a lot, and they have the, the wall of captains. And your senior year, 2015, you were named one of the six permanent team captains. Just talk about that, what that meant to you. And, I mean, especially now, looking back, again, your name is on that wall of captains next to Willie B. That, that's got to be something you really take a lot of pride in. You can't take it from me. Uh, you know, that, and, that's, and that's what I love about it. You can't take it from me. I mean, it's – they have a – and it's something that I wanted as a freshman, too. You know, when you walk down, there's a certain hallway when you walk down in the stadium, and it's another – it's a hall of captains, and they have, like, a painting of all the captains in there. And since my freshman year, I wanted to be on that wall. Mm. There's something about uh, when you make history, you know, you, I will always be on that. You know, as long as Williams-Brice Stadium is there, I'll be on that wall. You know, and the, the, the wall on the outside, as long as Williams-Brice Stadium is there, I will be on that wall. And that, to me, is, uh, you know, I love that. You can't take it from me. For sure. Now, Mike, again, 15 does not go the way any of us planned that 2015 season. Um, <clears throat> Steve Spurrier announces his resignation about halfway through. And I, I'm listening, I've talked to a ton of guys that you played with, a lot of your former teammates, and you obviously made it clear nobody saw it coming. But 
Mm-hmm. I mean, just simply put, I mean, what was that like? I mean, I've talked to different guys that say, hey, we found out the way you do. We saw it on ESPN. We saw it on Twitter. That's how we found out. I mean, just kind of walk me through that whole 24, 48-hour, you know, time frame in which Steve Spurrier announces his resignation. It was it was very abrupt. I mean, it was at the end of a practice, and he came up, and he just – he's like, you know, he's like, sometimes you just you know when you're done, and, you know, he's like, I, I think I'm done. And really? Then, you know, you could tell Miss Spurrier was shooken up, and wow. uh, that was it. I mean, he really didn't say much, and, you know, all the coaches were kind of looking around. Everyone's looking around at each other, trying to see what's going on. And, he, you know, he walked off the field and because there was really no explanation. And, you know, we went back, me and my roommates, we were back in the house. And you know, we're all sitting there talking. We're like, what the hell went on? You know, we're texting, you know, I'm texting Coach Elliott. Hey, Coach, what's the situation? And you know, he's like, ah, as soon as I know, you'll know. And, uh, you know, then texting me and he's like, yeah, it's, he's, he's done. And then, you know, it's all over ESPN and it's all over the Internet. But, you know, it's the same situation. It's like when a player gets hurt, you know, you just got to keep moving. Um, You know, I mean, we still didn't have the season we wanted, but you can't do anything about it. You couldn't beg them to come back or, you know, you just had to keep playing. See, that's interesting. I've never heard that side of the story where he actually said that, that, you know, like or gave you guys the indications, like just just to randomly come out and say something like that. Yeah, I can imagine the confusion of like, what is he talking about? Shit, I'll never forget it. We were all sitting. It was right after practice. We were all standing there. You know, we were all just kind of huddled up. He called us all up. And, yeah, he, he was like, this is – was like sometimes you just know when you're done. And I don't remember words verbatim, but right. essentially it was that. It wasn't much of an explanation. Wow. Wow, that's, that's interesting. So, that happens. And like you said, I, you're, you're a guy. You've made it very clear throughout the interview. I mean, you, you bounce back. You deal with adversity, whatever. Like I said, you got to keep it moving. On the brighter side, how cool was it to see Sean Elliott get the job? And I know there were some South Carolina fans that wanted him to get it, you know, after after the season was over. And, he, you know, he, put, he had the interim tag on him. And now he's at Georgia State doing really good things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that first game after that happens, he runs out of the tunnel with the Spurrier visor. And, I mean, Elliott was just a – I mean, we already talked, but he, he was just such a go-get-it, get-after-it intense guy, an awesome guy. You know, I, I remember – watching the videos, I think after the Vanderbilt game, that, again, that first win after Spurrier resigns, and it was a tough-fought game. And watching Elliott's post-game presser and, like, just the emotion. I mean, just the pure emotion coming out of him. I'm sure that had to make you happy for Coach Elliott to just even get that opportunity to be the head coach. Very, very. Uh, we actually fought for him to become the head coach. And, I, you know, I don't know whether it changed their minds, actually, Ray Tanner's minds, and uh, whether they were going to choose him or not. But we, you know, as the players, we fought for him to become the head coach. So him winning was – it was a really good feeling. Uh, it's, like you said, it was a hard-fought game too, and we dug in and, and came out with the W. But I, I couldn't be happier for Coach Elliott. I don't – you know, he's in a – he's a phenomenal head coach. Mm. Uh, I think that he's got some really big things coming. No, for sure. I, I think he's definitely a guy that, you know, no, no disrespect to Georgia State, but I, I think you'll see him get a bigger job in the next yes. few years for sure. He, he's going to be one of those coaches that is, that is poached to a bigger job. Um, mm-hmm. Your and career, Like you said, he's doing great things at Georgia yeah. State too. So he's, mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. I mean, he'll, he'll have the option to go, I think, wherever he wants. That, that's kind of what yeah. I'm getting at. Um, yeah. y- your career wraps up in 2015. Again, I, I know you dealt with the injuries. I mean, I'm just reading here. You weren't available 2015 spring because you had the knee injury. You went underwent surgery mm-hmm. on both shoulders um, and a knee. Um, you had 21 career starts. Obviously, first 10 came to tackle. But 
what was the what was pro football ever a thought for you or was it just the physical side of things that you were just like man I'm 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 done my body's my body's beat up or like just just kind of tell fans because I you know it's something I kind of forgot too after 2015 what was that process like for you as far as okay I'm gonna try to go play pro football Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I trained my ass off for pro day I had a hell of a pro day I put up some really good numbers um you know I thought that I would have had a a better chance, you know, as far as like maybe prefer or prefer free agent or even later rounds. Uh, but that didn't happen for me. You know, I had a tryout with the Steelers, trial with the Dolphins, an invite to the Colts. I uh, went up to the Steelers mini camp for a couple of days and didn't make it. You know, no excuses there, just didn't make it. And then when I came home, uh, I had some chances to go play up in Canada. But I, I, at that point, I was like, you know, I'm I'm done. I don't really want to go to Canada. Nothing against it, but Saskatchewan was not for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, Flor- I-, I can't imagine a Florida boy would want to go up to Canada in the freezing uh, cold and-, and-, and stay up there. Yeah. Um. So now, you know, people that have followed you, and I, I think, was it Watch Fox, the- uh, our good buddy Mike Yuba, I think he's the one that did the story mm-hmm. on you as far as your boxing career now. Um. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people saw that. And again, you're boxing. You're fine. Give people just kind of some background, like where – where did that start? Did you fight while you were at school? Like, or when did you pick that up? And again, now you're legitimately fighting and kind of making, I would assume, kind of like a, either a side career or just a career out of it. Just, just kind of give people some background on how that came about and, you know, what you're currently doing with it now. Well, we got into some scraps at practice, so I mean, it, it, we never shied away from it. I actually got some video. I got some good video from it. I got it on my old phone. Uh, we had a pretty big brawl in practice one day. Um, but I, I started it because – I wanted to lose weight. Uh, you know, I was tired of carrying around that offensive lineman weight and it really turned into something, you know, my, one of my coaches was like, don't stop. He's like, just keep going. And, and that's what I did. I took it and ran with it. You know, I, it was just, it's much different sport. Um, you know, it's, you're in it by yourself. I mean, it's, you know, there's no coaches, there's no other teammates. I mean, when you step in between those ropes, it's just you and that other dude and it, it becomes real, you know, cause it's, Football is very dangerous. I'm not saying, you know, but boxing is a little more, right. uh, you know, it's it's dangerous. Yeah, for sure. I I, I was going to say, if you don't mind me asking, what's your record? As far, what's your what's your it's record? Five and one. Okay. Yeah, five and one. So my last fight didn't go my way. Right. Uh, but first five fights were knockouts, or my first, yeah, four knockouts and one decision. Four knockouts. I I was going to ask you, what's more exhilarating? What what's more yeah, what's more exhilarating, do you think? Running out in front of 80,000 at Willie B or Ooh. knocking somebody out? <laughs> Ooh, I thought you were going to say a win, you know, win at oh. Willie B. I mean, because well, running out at Willie B is exhilarating. It really is. I mean, that, that makes it, this question that much tougher. But uh, <laughs> knocking somebody out, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, not to sound like It's got to feel good to just clock somebody yeah, and boom, there you go. Yeah, it's a good feeling. For sure. I want to ask you, Mike, about – I'm not sure how much you still keep up with South Carolina. I'm sure you were familiar with Will Muschamp from your days Mm -hmm. um, at South Carolina, obviously, because he was at Florida while you were playing. But just kind of give your overall analysis of the state of the football program. Have you been back? Have you been able to meet Coach Muschamp? Like, just what's your overall Mm -hmm. take on the Gamecocks football program, especially coming into a crazy year, 10-game conference-only schedule? Um, You know, what's your overall take Uh, on on the status of the program? Tough. Um – 
Yeah, actually, I interned too. So I worked with the strength oh, okay. and conditioning staff when I got done, and I met Mush Champ. Great okay. coach. Mm. You know, I, I, who knows what I, like you said, I, I, I don't follow it too much. Mm. Um, you know, I just try to focus on what I've got going on right now, but I'm ready for, for some football to start. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm definitely ready for September 26th and see kind of where the Gamecocks go this season. But I, I think he's a great coach. You know, I, I got faith in him. I got faith in the Gamecocks. For sure. I'm going to get you out of here, Mike. You've been gracious with your time. I have a couple more questions for you though. Kind of, uh, yeah, kind of no on the, kind of on the lighter side of things. Your is is there like a I know we kind of already talked about your welcome to the SEC moment was against Auburn and it, obviously it sticks out in your mind because you're like shit I screwed up but <laughs> what, what is there are there any other like moments you look back on just kind of give you a smile like man that was a that was a hell of a match I mean, I'm sure like all the matchups with Clowney and Ingram like you just you think back and you're like damn that was that was cool but like were there other moments that stick out to you in your career that that kind of just stand out from the rest. Yeah, I, and I've spoken about them before on some other uh, interviews and stuff, but uh, I've got two that have just always come to my mind immediately. One, my freshman year against Clemson, where I pulled and I absolutely leveled somebody. I mean, it was just called pancakes. So I pancake somebody, and that that's a that's a pretty exhilarating feeling too. I mean, you just put somebody where they don't want to be, right in the dirt, and uh, you know, standing over them. It's just a God, it's, <laughs> Grit, and then um, when we beat Florida my freshman year, and Coach Spurrier came because that was my first game back after Auburn was Florida, and Coach Spurrier after we won came up, shook my hand, and you know looked me in the eyes and said you had pretty much you had a hell of a game, and that was something that I those two those two moments are definitely ones that I'll never forget. Now, last question before I get you out of here, Mike. Again, it, you speaking of Spurrier, you did a pretty good impression earlier. What's your uh, What's your favorite Spurrier story that you can tell on air? I, I'll throw that in there, tell on air, because I'm sure there's plenty that got to stay behind closed doors. But uh, you're, it's like your favorite Spurrier story, whether it involved you, somebody else. Like, what, what's that Spurrier mm -hmm. story for you that just sticks out? So my my uh actually this is my my recruiting visit he came on he came to my my house in Florida him Coach Elliott Coach Hunter and Coach Graham at the time and they came to my house uh, for dinner you know my dad we're all talking and and my dad's like talking about rings you know championship rings and he said to Coach Spurrier you know he's like all right Coach now you know while while Mike's there he's like you definitely got to win us some rings now. You know, we need some rings. Coach Spurrier in the most calm, cool, collective voice looks over at my dad. He goes, shoot, I've already got a lot of rings. I don't, I don't need to win anymore. <laughs> and we all just kind of shut up and, you know, started laughing. And he's like, I've already got a lot of rings. Oh, my gosh. That is class. Did, did he ever get on, like, chew you out in practice or anything? Did he ever get on you? I mean, because guys have told me the thing with Spurrier is that he would just make you feel this big. Like he, he would make you yes. feel so bad. It was like you just didn't want to mess up because you didn't want to get embarrassed. He would make you feel so yes. bad about messing up. Yes, he just – I mean, this sit, – he'd sit in his chair. We're watching film. He'd sit in his chair, and he would just rewind it. So he, he'd have the, he'd have the right. whatever film practice, and he would – sometimes he would just rewind it a couple times, and he'd look up at you wherever you're sitting and <laughs> – He'd rewind it again, and he'd go back and fast forward it, rewind it again. He'd go, hmm, what were you thinking there? I mean, just just didn't want to play today. 
you know, you just, you didn't want to do anything. <laughs> and you're just, you know, you're, I messed up. And it's just, the, you just like you said, yeah. it didn't even have to be that mean. It just is the little things. He was hell with that clicker. He was hell with that yes. clicker. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that other people, when they talk oh, about yeah. it, they've said something yeah. about the clicker. Oh, Mo Brown, he, he shared a great story as far. He said Spurrier was the, the king of – he could rewind and go back without yes. looking. Without, he, so he could look yes. at you and just do it. He said that, that's – yeah. I mean, and he just yes. keeps replaying it over and over and over, and you're just like, yes, yes we see the play. We get it. We know what yes. happened. So, Mike, great stuff, man. I, I appreciate you taking the time. Like I said, I know I can speak for all Gamecock fans when I say it, it was – it was a pleasure to watch you do what you did. Obviously, some legendary moments, the ups and downs, but overall, uh, the way you played, the way you carried yourself, you know, good representative for the University of South Carolina. And great to hear you're doing good things now as well. So I appreciate you taking the time, and let's definitely do it again soon for sure. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, man. Absolutely. He's Mike Matulis. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs Up Show. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.